0: <clears throat> morning church how's everybody doing today go ahead and jump right in we're in a series called gifted and it's a study of the Holy Spirit and we've been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit and we've been using a foundational verse um, I find that interesting I say this every week that you know I grew up that we forgot about the last sentence It's interesting to hear your stories about how you grew up and what you heard or what you didn't hear and what church you attended and what your church believed about the Holy Spirit. So thanks for sharing that. I've just been sharing my upbringing in western Oklahoma. So we kind of just didn't know what to do with that last verse. So this says when we repent and when we're baptized, we, we receive the forgiveness of sins, but we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's what we read in Romans 6. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we bury our old self and we are raised to live a new life. Our sins are moved out, if you want to say it that way, and the Holy Spirit moves in. Our sins are forgiven and they're moved out and the Holy Spirit moves in. Here's what we read in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Here's what Paul writes in Titus. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ Christ our Savior. So baptism is a new birth. Baptism is a new creation. And with the Holy Spirit, with a renewal, we become a new person. So all of your sins and all of your hurts and all of your pains and all of your mess ups and all of your scars and all of your struggles, those are washed away. Those are forgiven and you begin a new life in Jesus. And again, our sins are removed and the Holy Spirit moves in. God doesn't give us His Spirit for no reason. God gives us His Spirit for a very specific reason, to work in our lives and to recreate our lives. So that's why we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We have for seven lessons now been trying to understand the Holy Spirit. And today I want to uh, talk to you about something I don't understand, so I just won't talk about it. I want to talk to you about the specific... Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to be the first to tell you that I don't understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'll be the first to tell you that I can't explain and I don't know if some gifts still do or don't exist. You can go from church to church, from seminary to seminary, to Christian to Christian to Christian, and you're going to get a bunch of different answers. Well, I think speaking in tongues, and the gift of prophecy, and the gift of healings, and well, I don't, well, I do, I don't, and you got a lot of people way, 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 way smarter than me, and I'm just going to say you, that don't agree. So, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to focus on those specific gifts, but I want to make some observations today about those gifts. So here's observation number one. In reading through Scripture, we will find a lot of spiritual gifts. I'm going to show you those. I don't think they were meant to be an exhaustive list. I don't think they were meant to be a checklist. But Scripture lists a bunch of different gifts. For example, Romans 12. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging contributing to the needs of others, leadership, showing mercy. 1 Corinthians 12. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, to another faith, to another the gifts of healing, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Paul continues. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles. Also, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do we all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret. And then in Ephesians, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So there's the majority of gifts listed in Scripture. And the difficulty comes when we pick and choose to fit our theology, which I don't want to do. I just want to say observation one is, here's the gifts. And some people will say, well, yeah, that one does, that one doesn't, that one does, that one doesn't. And sometimes we pick and choose to fit our theology. I don't think it's about fitting our theology, I think it's about understanding the gifts. So, observation number two when reading about spiritual gifts, the emphasis is always on the one giving and not the one receiving. Now, I think this is really important. Let me say it another way. It's always about the giver and not the receiver. Let me say it another way. It's always about the Holy Spirit, and it's not about you. Now, that's important to understand because when you look at the church at Corinth, one of the problems at the church in Corinth, and they had Lot. One of the problems when it came to spiritual gifts is they had either an attitude of superiority or an attitude of inferiority. I have the gift of speaking in tongues, so I must be superior. You don't, so you must be inferior. And they had all kinds of fights among them because they were elevating some of the gifts. I've got the gifts of tongues. I've got the gifts of prophecy. So I must be someone special and you must not be someone special. Again, when we get to thinking that the gift we have makes us special, we're not understanding the gift. When we begin thinking the gift says something about us, we're not understanding the gift. Back to the church at Corinth. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in Him you've been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. That's interesting, because they had every spiritual gift They had every spiritual gift they needed. They had no shortage of gifts at Corinth. They may have been the most gifted church ever. They may have been the model church when it came to gifts. You would think this church has it going on because they've been blessed and gifted in every way. And as you read through 1 Corinthians, they may have been the most messed up church in all of the New Testament. They were the most jacked-up church, even though they had all the gifts. They had problems like arrogance and pride and sexual immorality. There were divisions in the church. They took one another to court. They sued one another. They had problems with marriage. They struggled with food sacrifice to idols. Should we be meat eaters or vegetarians? They had chaos in worship. They had problems understanding the Lord's Supper. They struggled with spiritual gifts. They didn't understand the resurrection. And yet they were the most gifted church ever. Because they made the gifts all about them. And they said, we're more superior than some of you. They thought the gifts were all about them. So let me read some verses in the context of gifts. I'll say it several times. First Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, three chapters, is the longest passage on gifts. So I want to stay in context of Paul talking about gifts. Here's what he says. Now the body's not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. There should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. Here's what he's saying in the context. You may speak in tongues, and you may have the gift of prophecy, and you may, and you may, and you may, and I don't need you because I've got the gift of tongues, and I don't need you because I've got this gift, and I don't need you. So in context, he's saying... All the gifts are important, and they work together. Again, God does not gift us with the Holy Spirit for our agendas. If you make it about you, you're missing the point of gifts. God gifts us with His Spirit for His agenda, which takes me to the next observation. When it comes to spiritual gifts, you don't get to decide. The Holy Spirit decides how you will be gifted. Here's what we read in Scripture. All these gifts are the work of one in the same Spirit, and He gives to each one just as He determines. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, and in the church, God has appointed. You keep reading apostles, prophets, teachers, those gifts that are listed there. It was He who gave... Some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Even in the um, parable of the talents, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who called his servants, and the man entrusted his property to them. They didn't get to pick and decide. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one talent. It's not about desiring certain gifts. It's not about you bargaining to God, hey God, I really need the gift of... It's not about you wanting the most popular gift. They had that problem at Corinth. It's not about asking for certain gifts. I can assure you that I was not seeking the gift of preaching when I was in high school. I didn't give talks. I didn't teach class. I went to college my freshman year to be an accounting major. I was not seeking ministry. If you knew me, you would have said, that's the last person I would have ever thought would go into ministry. But here's what I want you to understand very humbly. The Holy Spirit was seeking me in the same way that the Holy Spirit seeks you. And the Holy Spirit knows what gift to give you Because of the way that you've been made. Observation number four. When it comes to spiritual gifts, I want us to remember the purpose of gifts again. I know I've said this numerous times. God doesn't gift us with His Spirit for our agenda. He gifts us with His Spirit for His agenda. That's the purpose of gifts. But here's what Paul writes. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You know why God gifts you with whatever He gifts you? It's for the common good. It's not for your good. It's for the common good. It was He who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, so that the body of Christ may be built up. You know why the Spirit gifts you? So you can help build up the body. That's the purpose of your gift. And help the body become mature. Here's what we read in Romans. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. the Church at Corinth. I must be somebody because I have the gift of speaking in tongues. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. That's Him gifting us through the Spirit. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We don't want everybody to form the same function. That would be chaos. So each one of us has been gifted differently, just like the body that he talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Not to serve you. It's not to serve your agenda. Not for you to benefit. To serve others. 1 Corinthians 14. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. That's the purpose of gifts. Your gift is for the benefit of the church. Your gift is for the benefit of others. But if you really feel like you need to desire a gift, if you really feel like, you know, here's the gift I want, Paul tells us what gift to desire. He says, when it comes to spiritual gifts, desire the most excellent gift. Now again, I really think we need to understand that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 and 14 are in context about spiritual gifts. So to keep things in context, here's what he says about spiritual gifts. And in the church, God has appointed uh, many gifts. Are all apostles, prophets, teachers, do all work miracles, gifts of healing tongues, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And he says, I'm going to show you what that is in context of all of the disruption the church at Corinth had about gifts. He says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. It's the greatest gift that we can all possess. And it's the gift that we can all possess. And it's the gift that God freely gives. And it's the gift that will be the most beneficial to this church, this community, this world. So if you want to desire a gift, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a Faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So it doesn't matter what your gift is. If you don't have love, it really doesn't matter. He keeps going. Love is patient, love is kind. You, you see the context here. We're talking about spiritual gifts, we're not at a wedding. I know this is used at weddings. I've used this at weddings. It's a great passage, but I want you to understand the passage in the context of gifts. Because if we love one another, we won't be competing over gifts. It won't be. Look what I have, and you don't have. Look what it, It's not about that. Love is patient, kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Love never fails. He goes on. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge. It will pass away, but now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And he goes into chapter 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Isn't that interesting? I, I, I don't know when that stuff ceases. Maybe it's already ceased. Maybe it's going to cease. Maybe when Jesus comes back, it will cease. Maybe in the first century it ceased. I, I don't know. I just don't know. And you can, again, go to different churches, different seminaries, different theologians, and get a lot of different answers. What I do know is the greatest gift is love. The greatest gift is love. Now, it will make more difference in the world than speaking in tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing. Love will make more difference in this church. Love will make more difference in our community. In our marriages, in our families, in raising children, Jesus even said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you speak in tongues, if you have the gift of prophecy, if you have the gift of healing, even the ones that we wouldn't even argue about, the gift of encouragement. And, and, and the gift of mercy. No, Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, what our world needs right now is, is not another sermon on what gifts do and don't exist. What the world needs right now is love. And we need to be sharing and expressing that love. So Paul says, if you really must desire a gift, desire the most excellent gift, desire the greatest gift... We're not called to use our gifts as weapons. We're not called to compete with our gifts. Hey, look what I have and you don't have. Listen, some of y'all have the gift of teaching four-year-olds. I don't want that gift and I'm glad you have it. (laughs) I'm thrilled that you have it. There's no competition here. Listen... We're not called to use our gifts against each other. We're called to use our gifts to build one another up and to build up the body and to build up this church and to build up this community. And if we will desire the greatest gift of love, which the Holy Spirit will give to all of us, it'll change this church. It'll change our community. Let's pray.